Web3 is basically just used as a rail in the back end to just disrupt the economics of gaming. It's not changing the customer experience per se, but it's doing one thing that could basically allow creators to be rewarded in a better and I guess a little bit more fair, fair way. We are the co-hosts of this FinTech and Web3 podcast powered by CFTE. Our guest this week, Bushra, is zooming in live from Reagan Airport. Uh, Bushra, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to chat. Tell us a little bit about your fund, the fund you're involved in, a little bit about yourself. Asymmetric is the name. You've got a lot of um, a lot of very high-profile backers in terms of funding. I was looking at your website the other day. Tell us a little bit about asymmetric. Well, how do we like to describe asymmetric? We like to call it a modern-day crypto fund. And let's dive deep, deeper a little bit into that. It is a liquid venture fund. We think of the asset class as basically a little bit different than the traditional venture book that you traditionally come through and, you know, can see. Um, crypto can, you know, you can invest in equity and tokens attached to it and your investments can become liquid very quickly. So you really need to have a lot of, you know, liquid risk management tools to also manage that book that all of a sudden, instead of staying locked for six, seven years, you become liquid in a matter of months. Um, so we are a liquid venture crypto fund. Uh, the mandate basically allows us to invest in venture, but also to manage liquid exposure to tokens that come from the deals that we invest in, as well as the broader ecosystem. And, and you, an asymmetric is looking to invest in anything to do with crypto? Does it have a particular investment thesis? Do you invest in, obviously invest in both equity and tokens, but what, is there a bias? Is there a focus? It's a broad uh, mandate, specifically in crypto. So we are investing in the ecosystem of crypto. However, we have very specific themes that we've been very excited about. Uh, we really like infrastructure deals. We like payment deals. Uh, we like basically the rails in this space. Um, we're not, uh, we're level agnostic in terms of if the market is up and down. It's more about building an ecosystem and I truly believe going into crypto, even before, you know, uh, working on a fund, for me, this sector will eventually be the 12th sector of the S&P. Uh, we're not there yet. It's still a very nascent industry, uh, but we are supporting basically the rails of it to eventually get there. Why so bullish? Why is it going to be? Why so bullish? Why is it going to be? <laughs> like an uh, important part of the economy and the, the capital markets, you said it's going to be the X sector of the S&P. Why? I mean, why is this just not all a flash on the pan that uh, 65,000 or whatever it was, was the peak and we'll look back and go, ah, that was a joke. <laughs> look, I think uh, the more participants in your space, the more adoption you, you will have. And, yeah. you know, we've been through web one and web two, and basically this Web3 is just the continuation of basically financial and also technological innovation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, one of the pillars in the space was basically, and we can, you know, we'll dive deep, deeper into it as we uh, go into the conversation, was basically trust no one, completely decentralized. And I think the latest events with what has been shown is we kind of went a little bit deeper into centralizing, centralizing what we wanted <laughs> to be very centralized, decentralized. So trust it's a, it's trust a, no it's one unless they're sitting in the Bahamas yeah. in their cargo shorts. It is. <laughs> So it is irony, but uh, it's yeah. been very exciting, you know, to, to be in it, to build in it, but also to watch and, you know, be part of all the events that we've been through recently. I think the technology itself, you know, to get into TCP IP, it took a long time. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to go faster now with all, the, you know, the technical and the technological innovations that we're seeing actually live in the playground. Um, but you always get resistance you will have a hard resistance into getting adoption of newer technologies. But there are a lot of pillars in crypto itself that allow themselves to disrupt a lot of things that we're doing in a very traditional way. As a lot of my friends would call me, I come from TradFi. <laughs> so it sounds like this uh, very uh, interesting way to label you know, people who had backgrounds in Wall Street before. But a lot of things can be automated through smart contracts. Mm -hmm. But we can talk about that. But there are very, very specific applications that actually make me very, very bullish about this space. Uh, one of our recent investments is basically an ecosystem of games. Uh, we invested in a team of veterans in gaming. Those were people who built Grand Theft Auto, Nintendo, for instance, and they know the gaming industry very, very well. And Web3 is basically just used as a rail in the back end to just disrupt the economics of gaming. It's not changing the customer experience per se, but it's doing one thing that could basically allow creators to be rewarded in a better and I guess a little bit more fair, fair way. Like now you guys are building, um, I mean, you came, you come from TradFi, you said you're building a, a crypto native fund, crypto native venture fund. How is it different to running a classic venture fund? So you're sitting in you know, Sand Hill Road, in Palo Alto or wherever, you're running a classic venture fund. How is a crypto fund different? What's very interesting, it goes really down to what is crypto? Programma programmable money. Um, and the way we think about it is, uh, what is programmable money? So to be able to extract value, you need to understand the technology behind it know how to program or have a team that does so yeah but also to the traditional term of making money you need to understand how to manage risk and i think what's uh, very important is we put together a team that's very technologically heavy but also we're all veteran um, risk managers on an institutional level mm. for an asset class that becomes liquid and all of a sudden you're sitting it's hard for you to just be long only in a book that becomes liquid with tokens that can, you know, go live and hit a hundred X and you have a fiduciary duty to your investors to potentially take some, you know, money off the table and run the call option that comes with it with the rest of the position. Um, but those are things that you have to think about as a risk manager running this VC book that, 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 that is a very different nature than the lo typical long-only VC book that you will see in the traditional sense of things. 
So the technology aspect, you could obviously understand the technical side and the different, it's also a risk management aspect because of the, now, can you delve a little bit more into, without giving away too many trade secrets about your fund, but delve a little bit more into the risk management process? Does it, how do you, like, there's been so many blowups this last year, not just in crypto, in all risk assets, but particularly crypto is a younger sector, younger industry, all young industries. You get the um, super smart people who are ethical, you get the super smart people who are scammers or delusional, or whatever it is. Uh, how do you navigate this? How do you how do you do risk management in this space? Well, anecdotally, when we launched the fund, um, we send notes to our investors, and we had the bearish bias on the liquid component. Um, we're medium, medium and long term bullish, not a question. But we hit a very interesting macro macro environment where. It's not only about the technology. We are investing in an environment where rates are higher than they used to be 10 years ago and five years ago and two years ago. So there are a lot of actors in this space that were raised in a space where rates were zero and cost of capital is very, very different than what it is today. When the risk-free rate is closer to four or 5%, what is your cost of capital as a risk manager? It's a minimum eight. So... What does that look like? So before making very specific investments, you have to think about what is my return on investment capital? Those are things that are very, very seriously considered in what we do versus basically having started, let's say five years ago where rates were zero. And quite frankly, you were riding an amazing wave of a Fed basically just pumping everything around. And I think, so that's one. So it makes you a little bit more thoughtful about where you put your, your money. And two, on the bigger picture, when macro becomes a much bigger deal here, and you saw the correlation of the space increase dramatically, especially earlier this year in light of things that happened, you know, especially in May and June, it was very interesting watching that basically no matter what your technology was, you needed to abide by the rules of what looked like in the macro environment. NASDAQ got hit very, very dramatically versus the S&P on a relative basis. And why is that? Because tech you know, multiples tend to be a little bit higher than basically the traditional businesses. And now when you look at it from the outside as an investor, and I saw a few data points that were interesting. There was a bigger allocation now into energy sector, into basically people are thinking there are wars and there are energy needs and there is you know, a food crisis. And, we're gonna we're bullish on that sector versus you know on a relative basis to let's say the fangs, right? So that's that's been an interesting to watch. So when you're sitting on your seat as an venture investor, you have to consider that bigger picture macro that's around you because we joke about it internally as a team. We say in a bull market, the technology matters, and that's like the weight we allocate to technology is like much higher than what the macro looks like. But given where we're sitting right now. The macro matters, and we launched the fund um, in June officially, and we sat on a big position in cash until the last few weeks. So we're very excited about that because um, we see basically signs of, you know, being at the dip potentially. And please, this none of this is financial advice, so please add those disclaimers. <laughs> but 
you know, when rates are much higher and the yield curve is inverted the way it is, you know, having cash today seems to be very valuable versus having it next year on the following. So that's how, you know, we've been looking at things. And on the venture side, what we're very excited about is there's been kind of readjustments of expectations from both the investor side and founder side where now we're actually having conversation and spending longer you know due diligence processes and getting to know to know these founders much longer than someone coming to you with a term sheet telling you you have to close by friday this week which by the way we would always say thank you that we, we will respectfully pass because we do not do diligence in three days um so that is the current state of affairs and how we look at things I want to dive into some of the recent events, uh, including FTX, and I think Gaurav is keen to get into all of that. So over to you, Gaurav. Thanks a lot, brother. Thanks so much again, uh, Busha, for joining us. It's uh, it's always an interesting conversation, to say the least. But from you know sure. talking about what Ronit just alluded to, FTX, we have to, we have to, we have to talk about it. What happened? What do you think happened? What they tell us of what you've seen or what you know, and you know, apart from your, your own take on it, from yeah. what else everyone else can read online. So, well, here's the interesting part. Um, couple things. Very few exchanges in the U.S. offer a very good customer experience and user interface that's very customer friendly. And we have to, you know, say that that FTX had this basically best in class at least for U.S. investors, interface that you can, you know, trade with tighter spreads. They had innovative ways into looking into collateral, basically management as well, where you can do basically spread trades, let's say Bitcoin, Ethereum, and your collateral is computed in an algorithmic way that could potentially, you know, help you do those trades. And I think, so that's one part. So a lot of people and you know, a lot of people now, it's easy to point fingers and say due diligence was not done, et cetera, but they had a good product. The other side of it, which is very interesting, is there is an exchange that's basically working very closely to a market maker and that basically has the same person being in the middle taking decisions on both sides and governance was basically a big question to a lot of investors because there was no board of directors that's basically independent and watching the business from the outside. And this can have been really very much avoided. I mean, in the US, this was regulated in the 1920s. You don't have an exchange that basically runs a market maker on the side and where you can commingle funds, customer funds. That's a big problem. And what this showed us is there needs to be more regulation and very thoughtful regulation, at least in the US. The last data points I was looking at, 95% of the trading is happening offshore. And in the US, we don't want to miss on that. So we need to sit down and work with the regulator to understand what really happened. No one basically saw the books. They don't have basically, they didn't have a big four auditor, audit, auditor firm basically giving investors all the data needed. And, you know, that's hard. So I think there are the dichotomy of, you know, the product that was offered to customers that basically was very good uh, from the user experience standpoint and a lot of you know funds as you guys know 
and it's not only funds that were you know on the platform they were they were retail investors as well interacting with the platform but then on the other side you have to basically go deeper into what happened here from a governance standpoint from risk management standpoint and there's no point in fingers here i think we have to work on it together as, as an ecosystem to really make sure that this doesn't happen because in terms of regulation for instance unfortunately this sets us back i'm actually excited that we have a bipartisan government right now because my only like thought about saving grace for the space right now is we're all going to sit down and have different opinions about it and actually work with them through how we can go through this. So what happened is commingling customer funds in a, in a structure like this is unacceptable. And we need to collectively as an ecosystem, especially on the investor side, go back to basics and fundamentals and not basically close our eyes on things that are usually in our checklist on due diligence and not close on our eyes on that just because a deal is hyped or super hot and hard to get into. I think it's, it's, it's very clear about the mechanics of what happened with, you know, we're saying in terms of governance, do you see a lot of people now rushing within other ecosystems offering the same products and services to change or perhaps add some more transparency to give confidence to the market? Are you seeing people adopting or communicating much more in terms of to their investors, to their boards with specifics to notable exchanges? Or is it just based on trust again? Well, there is the trust component, of course, but just some something that it's not very talked about. So we speak about the funds that had, you know, you know, allocation, allocated funds sitting with FTX, for instance, or funds that invested in FTX. But how about all the startups that basically had some part of their treasury or balance sheet sitting with FTX? Um, For me, that's the second order thing where you need to add that as a VC investor to your due diligence and spend more time with the portfolio companies trying to understand where, where are where are they going to allocate their treasury as well? And how are they going to manage it? And, you know, what is the like the percentage of cash versus other instruments sitting? And a lot of, you know, and they had the market maker, like FTX, you know, Alameda was the market maker. And a lot of projects, they use market makers as well to allocate some of the liquid listings to provide liquidity to Alameda. And those things now are recognized as assets sitting on the books of Alameda FTX, but the liability side is not recognized. So I feel for the startups as well. So there's a big movement now of investors. So we have a fiduciary duty to our LPs to show diversification here, but also we have a fiduciary duty as investors to our you know, startups to help them think through their treasury as well. And, you know, in talking about um, you know, institutional investors and their appetite. You, you know, there are people who are very, very, very well established as part of the fallout of what's happening with FTX. Do you have any insight or visibility on the appetite over there? Has have people, because of public information or public exposure on this, decidedly taken a back seat just to show the market that you know they're being a bit more cautious? 
or are they being a bit more cautious but still have the same enthusiasm with which they approach the market on this? What are you seeing for institutional and investor appetite in the space still? There are more institutions coming to this space, which for me, it means like the space is not going anywhere, that there is a more disciplined approach getting get introduced to the space. So a lot of the mistakes that we saw since 2020 and most 2021 will not be basically allowed to be repeated the same way they were. So institutions are coming in, funds were committed to uh, in sizable size. I truly believe, again, if you look at, you know, you spend some time with the ecosystem themselves, you know, you sit with Solana community, the Ethereum community, you have brilliant minds working on, you know, the technology and yes, FTX was a setback and this hidden leverage hopefully is almost being flushed out. I think the first three arrows, Voyager, basically story, Luna, Terra, the whole story that happened earlier this year was just the trigger. This big event that happened the last you know, few weeks was a huge kind of like, let's uncover everything that's happening. Um, but actually I'm very excited. I, I think, I'm, especially in light of Jerome Powell's yesterday talking about how they will consider data and how they're thinking about it in the bigger picture of the rates environment. It seems like it was a little bit of a dovish speech in our opinion. Again, not a financial advice. <laughs> and that means, you know, technologies, the technology is here. Um, the capital was basically committed to it. It's gonna be a question of the velocity of how fast this capital will be allocated and where it's going to go. And add in basically more governance diligence, more treasury diligence into these deals and spending actually time with the founders would be actually great for the ecosystem and will be actually very good to showcase to more institutionals to come in. And, you know, and talking about the adoption, of, you know, earlier on, we talked about technology. Technology is not going anywhere. Technology is a, is a big advantage and a mover during times of, of, you know, market conditions the way they are today for, you know, growth and multiples that are there for technology businesses. Are you seeing the shrinkage of the space into two different parts? Are you seeing it just being for financial instruments as part of or infrastructure still being the main players where you know this this ecosystem will develop or are you seeing utility coming out of it and what i mean by utility is on the one side for financial instruments we have things like cdbcs right which seem to be they will be adopted in singular ecosystems before they're married to other ecosystems it seems like because yeah. they have self-serving purposes and governance themselves before they want to develop relationships with you know CDBC is being adopted from country to country, but apart from mm -hmm. the money instruments, you're looking at adoption of technology, like for example, Musk just announced the end of their program with IBM on the ledger project that they were doing for their massive shipping conglomerate to actually have a unified blockchain adopted system to make shipping more efficient uh, and payments in those systems more efficient and information yep. and fraud more efficient. That program has ended. So I think there was a lot of trial and error. Are you seeing? But do you see utility still growing? Like you're talking about gaming and everything else. Are you still seeing financial yeah. infrastructures growing? So, Which segment is the space? This to is what 100%. So we look at applications. We get we come across a lot of applications. 
but we have a big lens of like how scalable is this and how how can this be interoperable across the system i always think about it from the user perspective i use the internet do i care what's in the back end as a user and I think if you have, <laughs> at least not me, but if you have that lens when you're diligencing a deal like that, I think we look at how is this, what is the total addressable market of what this team is building throughout this application? So there are a lot of financial applications that are super interesting intellectually, but for instance, swaps are hard to bring on chain. You have a lot of counterparty risk to be basically automated and addressed. So different things in DeFi are much easier basically to implement. So you always have to, and you have to look at it from the user perspective and from the scalability perspective. The and we need people thinking of applications. So as we're building those rails, the applications have not been, you know, the focus, but there are a lot of things that are, that just make sense. Like the gaming industry is a big industry, right? And the way what, is being introduced uh, behind the scenes is mostly for the economics of the distribution of kind of like the proceeds of the game or how to incentivize or acquire customers in a more efficient way, right? So kind of like those are the ideas behind why Web3 is being introduced to gaming. And what's cool in this new period that we're going through is it's weeding out a lot of, you know, just the hyped put together two devs in a room for two days and they'll come up with an idea and let's go raise money on it. It's more like it was a, I think it was an amazing time to go through this year as an investor to look through basically how even the teams that are, we're seeing are evolving into more solid kind of like applications. And this is how we're fixing the rails first. And, putting back the applications in this very thoughtful way versus here's an ad hoc feature that I know will be a super cool thing to add on top of X, Y, and Z, if that makes sense. And I'm very excited to see in, you know, JP Morgan working basically on these things and we're having conversations with Goldman on these things and regulation, yes, took a step back in light of everything that happened. And I'm very excited that things will just slow down a little bit for people actually to just rewind and sit down and reflect on what happened uh, but we have a lot of learnings and the space is still again very very early and it's our job actually to you know to make the most out of this and help you know build it thanks so much we unfortunately we're running out of time and there's so much to digest here from regulation to adoption to viewpoints and you know the ecosystem sort of rebalancing with maybe perhaps too much money chasing too many bad deals and maybe less good deals i don't know but handing it back to my co-host with the most ronit and yeah speak soon thank you One, thank you guys thanks for having me <laughs> Pushra, uh would love to chat more but you need to get through security so you run <laughs> yes. we look forward to catching up with you again uh, my <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, and have a happy new year if we don't speak. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.